0: Welcome to St Paul Oldford, part of the Church of England in the Diocese of London. To find out more about St Paul's, join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30am or visit our website at www.stpauloldford.com Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. hearing. Praise to you, O Christ. Praise, Praise to, you, o Christ. to you, O Christ. Oops.
1: <clears throat> Thank you, James. Indeed, May the words of my lips and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Let's be seated. <clears throat> James will probably need to forgive me, but I'm going to add another verse to this reading. And I'm going to add ver- verse our reading... Uh, Gospel reading ends with verse 21. Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of Jesus and were amazed at his gracious words. And that came from his lips. But some said, isn't this Joseph's son? You know, sometimes when we come into a new way of being. Uh, new jobs, uh, new places where we live and we go back to where we've come from. People doubt if we've really changed. And we often get rejected. Sometimes we get rejection letters and jobs, job applications, home office rejections, university rejections, Rejections in relationships, friendships, professional colleagues. And Jesus faced rejection from the very people who watched him grow up in Nazareth. And what Luke does is he condenses all of that rejection into this particular passage. Now, Jesus is met with incredible enthusiasm in Galilee. In the countryside, the people were praising him. In the synagogues, people were praising him. And then when he came to Nazareth, people were like, Hey, look who's come home. And there was admiration. Verse, uh, the verse that Penny read, you know, they were amazed. All spoke well of him and were amazed. But there was also some doubt and annoyance. Small-mindedness. Isn't this just Joseph's son? What? You're the Lord's anointed? Go on with you. But you know, that doesn't stop Jesus. And in this week where we have observed a week of Christian unity, it's one of those things we are to observe all the time, but we kind of focus on a week. It's very important that we look at each other and our differences with joy rather than suspicion. That we don't reject, as this country once did, rejecting Protestants or rejecting Catholics. That we're no longer in that kind of small-mindedness. Now, Jesus had a rough start to his ministry right from the beginning. And in this passage, at the end of this passage, he almost gets thrown off a cliff. It's a really nice homecoming, isn't it? But it was a foretaste of the supreme rejection that Jesus would face on the cross that ironically becomes a welcome and opens the doors for us into God's kingdom. And it here in this passage, Jesus begins his manifesto. And you know, we hear lots of campaign slogans. You know, Tony Blair used to say, education, education, education. Barack Obama said, change is coming. And, but this is much more than a slogan. And this came from the past. It was from the prophet Isaiah. And Jesus reads this. This kingdom, the kingdom... Proclaims freedom of prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, released by those broken by the spirits of the age. And Jesus begins reading this prophet's word. And like many talks that Jesus gave, he often referred back to the days of Moses, the days of the prophets, the days of King David. Reminiscing. Now, was he reminiscing in this passage when he read, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me," was he simply hearkening back to Isaiah's days? Was he reminiscing about those golden days that sometimes we're tempted to do? Oh, you know, things have gotten worse. You know, when in the old days, when dot dot dot, and we can all fill in those dot dot dots. Or is he pointing to a future and saying, "I, you know, God's promises—the kingdom is coming." We Christians can sometimes find ourselves hearkening back to memories of the past or simply hopes for the future. It was so much better when, or in contrast, just wait, wait for the future, it's coming. And both the past and the future are important to church communities and all communities. Remembering our history is important. Remembering the wisdom of our ancestors is good. And speaking of the future is uh, pulling us and urging us forward. But they both have their underside, their underbelly. Overemphasizing the past can result in kind of selective memory and forgetting about all the bad things that happened a kind of selective nostalgia, the belief that the past is better than the present, or, on the other hand, uh, overemphasizing the future, a belief that all that matters is what to come. And oftentimes, especially before the Middle Ages, Christians were told to just stay in places of oppression, stay in places of captivity, because your future hope is when you die and get to heaven. But that's not the kingdom that God is simply talking about. And that's not the kingdom that Jesus is talking about. He's talking about the kingdom has begun. It is now. He says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now people must have looked at him and said, "Uh, excuse me, have you looked around? Things are not good. Things are not great. And we can say that today. God, what are you doing? What do you mean the kingdom has begun? What do you mean it's it's fulfilled right now as we hear this scripture read again today? What do you mean? And we can be so drawn to the negative things that are going on in the world. But Jesus says, today the kingdom's desire, the kingdom's preference has been fulfilled in Christ. He is the one to bring this good news. And this is Jesus' identity. He not only brings the good news, he is the good news. And he is initiating the kingdom. He's going to set free. He's good news to the poor. And that includes the empty rich. The ones who are spiritually empty. That includes the captives. Those, yes, in prison. And that must have been so revolutionary. What? Prisoners are being set free? Where do you see that, Jesus? But he was talking about where we're enslaved by anything. Where we're enslaved by saying, well, that's the way it always is. Nothing ever changes. And he's saying, you know, sight to the blind, especially for those of us who have eyesight, but have selective eyesight and only see what we want. Or those oppressed by spiritual powers or principalities that oppress us today, like an emphasis on materialism or an emphasis on, you know, if you buy, you have you have value. If you only have money, that's the only way you have value. That is a principality in power. The acceptable time of the Lord has come. Jesus is saying, It is now. But you know, there's an old saying, familiarity can breed contempt. Isn't this Joseph's son? Come on, we know Joseph. And you know that whispering about Mary getting pregnant. Hmm. The rumors when she became pregnant, so Jesus has never been outside of those kind of deficient ways that human beings look at, either at each other with envy or suspicion, or you, you know, it's a meanness, it's a fear. You know, we often want someone spectacular to give us the good news of the kingdom, but as long as they think like we do, <laughs> you know. But the people Jesus was speaking to had a small vision of salvation and who it was for. It was only for them. They had a mean image of God and they were suspicious of one another. And I know sometimes in churches we look upon each other and we go, hmm, (laughs) why are they being blessed? (laughs) Hmm, why are they giving recognition? We don't say it. And you good people, I feel for the most part, don't think that way. But I have been in Christian communities where there have been, and it's a cry. It's a cry from someone's heart that they haven't received the fullness of God's good love for them. And I thank you, Lord, for making me me. Jesus had a vision of an eternal new creation. It was shared with Mary at his inception when she sang that song, the Magnificat. And he has a most merciful image of God, that God does not have a you versus me or them versus us mentality. God has a we, we mentality. And so Jesus was greeted, yes, with enthusiasm, and then some doubt. People said, well, you did miracles in other places. Why can't you do them here? But these people had a fixed identity of what the kingdom should look like. They had a fixed identity in their own mind of what constituted God's goodness. I want to tell you a story that I read recently. There was a pastor... James may have heard of this, but there was a pastor in a church um, in Colorado. It's called The House of Saints and Sinners, and their pastor is a Reverend Nadia Boaz Weber. She's a Lutheran pastor, and she was a stand-up comedian before she became a pastor. All right, and she was telling the story of a time when in the United States where we know the gun laws need to be challenged and thank God they're not like that here. But it was one of the one of those terrible, terrible times at Sandy Hook, where in Connecticut where twenty children were killed and six teachers were gunned down by a young man named Adam Lanza. And the House of Saint Centers, like thousands of churches throughout the had remembered the services to these people. And it it was a way of remembering these people, but also making a statement about guns. And so at this church, at the House of St. Peter's, they too were going to do this. They were going to name every name, all 26 names, and ring a bell to remember those people, to remember they had a life, and they had families, and that they were loved. And so Nadia had uh, various uh, uh, placement students like we do here. And one of her students, on the night that they were ready to do this, said, uh, actually it was 27 names. And Nadia looked at him and said, what? The young man who killed all these people also died by his own hand. And at first Nadia's flesh said, What? And she had pretty colorful language, so I imagine she said more than what. But she 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 was like, I'm not praying for someone who just gunned down twenty-six people, twenty-six innocent people. I'm not. and then suddenly, suddenly the spirit of the Lord must have come over her and said, Hmm, you preach a lot about mercy. My mercy is deep. My mercy is love. Pray for that boy and his And in the midst of that service, she felt the presence of the Lord upon her right then. And of course, she added that name, added names, and the bell rang. And she felt the overwhelming presence of the Lord leading her, teaching her about the kingdom of God. Now, of course when we talk about them and us, we sometimes fix people's identities as if God is not changing people. You know, I was just talking to Pauline and Patricia before the service, and we were just talking about what our lives have been like and how God has been kind of behind us, stirring in us, even when we did not know God. And You know, constantly, when Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, it's being fulfilled now. We need to look around and see where God has blessed our lives. We need to look around and see where God is blessing other lives. And we need to look around and declare that the Spirit of the Lord is here among us now. Amen? Amen. But the crowd... And I want to emphasize that when we show that kind of mercy, it doesn't mean that we condone the evil that has been done. But it means that we believe in a God who has the power to transform the worst of our humanity and our inhumanity. It's Holocaust Memorial Week in schools this coming And there's a woman whose TV, there was a TV show, I think it was on last night, of a woman, a Polish concentration camp survivor, who actually forgave her, her captive, and one of the Nazi guards. And she's been criticized for it. But for her, I think she understands something about that ancient. The captives will be set free. The oppressed will be given liberty. And God is saying again to us, as he did to Nadia Boltzweber, my mercy is deep. It's unimaginable. It's immeasurable. It's beyond your limits and even your imagination. And I'm here now. But you know, the crowd that Jesus was talking to wasn't quite there yet. No wonder they wanted to put him over a cliff. <laughs> he was being rejected, but of course that was a foretaste of what would come. But you know, it's interesting. Jesus says, You know, Jesus says, Today, Savior is the angels when Jesus is going says, Savior has been to you. When Jesus, when Jesus brings that mean tax collector to it down to the truth, he says, Today Salvation has come. And when he's on the cross and he looks at the thieves, and the thief looks at him and says, you're an innocent man. He says, today you will be with me in Jesus essentially told his friends, look around, the spirit of God is at work right here. Jesus is with us. God is with us. Look for the burning bushes as Moses did. Look for those unusual sites where God is at work. Because it calls us more deeply into the the justice and the mercy of God. Oftentimes we pray that we're trying to get God to give us an ideal pain-free world. But God, on the other hand, is wanting us to enter into the reality of a world that is pain-ridden but with his presence. And with the trust that the kingdom has begun. Living in God's promise is not just about what happened yesterday. It's not just about what is to come. It's about now. And that's sometimes hard to believe and accept. Because I sometimes want to look back at my own ministry and go, "Wow, well, I did this and I did that. <laughs> and God is saying, Yes, but what are you doing now? What am I doing to you now? Not, and I could say, oh, I have these ideas for the future. And God says, what are we doing now? What are we doing now? At the academy where I work during the week, many kids will come by me, <laughs> having come out of an RSS. So. How do you know God exists? How do you know God exists, Reverend April? And I say, because I have seen the death and resurrection in ordinary people. I have seen them come from the pits of despair into a peace and joy that they never could have imagined. I've seen women abused by family members who've been healed and are now working with others, counseling in schools and hospitals. I've seen homeless people get off the street, get accommodation, get jobs. I've seen women evicted from flats because somebody didn't pay the rent and abandoned them, and I've seen them recover. I have seen people who've received deportation letters not once, not twice, but three times and are still in this country working, paying taxes. I have seen passports recovered by a vigilant home office officer that they've been stolen from the post office, and I've seen my own godson, One of my godsons whose mother was told when he was born he would never walk and he would never run and he's now playing all-star tennis, football, and racing around at the age of 10. I have heard of people being saved from death because God redirected their journey that day. And I have experienced the love and forgiveness of those who have been cruel to me, who have abused me, who have tried to discredit me, who have slandered my work and have blatantly lied but i'm free i am free and the kingdom of god is now beloved so i'm asking you to look at the blessings of your life and keep looking because in the midst of the junk heaps of this life are the gems of the most precious value so those who are to be confirmed next week are taking a step into the now of god they're taking that fragile sometimes bruised but sure and firm step into the hope, the love, and the justice and the joy of God now. So what will you and I do today? Will we stay stuck in a nostalgic past? Or will we float away on a cloud of fantasy future? Or will we accept and believe and trust that the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the joy of God is with us here now? Amen. Amen.
0: If you've enjoyed this podcast from St Paul's Old Ford, you can find more at our website www.djweatherick.podbean.com Thank you for listening.